I'm so glad to share with you this morning because I feel like I have a word of encouragement for you as the body of Christ. And it's been rolling around with me for about a month, so I'm really excited to now share it with you. Um, You know, probably how long ago did we start our journey on where are we going as a church? And um, where we're going and what our aim is as a church body that we're committed to is to be near and like Jesus, to be close to him and to be like him. And then we said, in order to do that, we're going to need to be his disciples. We're going to be following after him, his way of life, the things he taught us. We'll not only hear his teachings, but we'll put them into practice. And we will be his disciples who make more disciples. And that's our aim. The aim of our lives is what we're centering our church around, and it's what we're centering our lives around as the people of God. And as, as I began to think about this, I thought, oh, I, what happens when you hear something new? Or, some, hey, this is where we're going. This is where, what's up? Let me make a to-do list. Let me add on, I need to be a disciple. I'm going to start being a disciple. So I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m., you know, doing, do you guys do that? Do you think it's an add-on to the life you're already living? Um, because I do that. I, I love lists, and anytime there's something new going on, this is where we're now going. Um, it seems like something I need to add on to the life I'm already living. But I think the Lord has a word of encouragement today us, and it's an exciting gift, that the Lord's not wanting to add anything to our shoulders. In fact, he's wanting to lift our load today. The reason for that is that he's not the add-on to our life. Being a disciple isn't something we'll add on to the life we're already living. He is our only life. He says that he's the resurrection and the life. He who has the Son of God has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's him. We sang this today over and over again, even in the words that were expressed. Jesus is our life, and everything else is added to that, but it's not the other way around. And in light of that, we won't have to add another thing, but instead things will be dropping off of us. And when we first started this, I saw, started this series of where we're going as a church, I saw a huge door with a sign that said exit. And I felt like the Lord was inviting us in his liberty to leave things outside that door, and it was over. Those things wouldn't be a part of our lives anymore. We would walk away, we would be moving forward with him a little less free than we were before. And so uh, that was stirring in me, and I began to think, Lord, what are you doing? How do you want to liberate us with this message? How do you want to liberate us in light of being your disciple? And I felt like what he wanted to say to us was a simple word, something I know very little about, but it's pruning. So can we pray now and ask him, to open up our hearts to what it's going to mean to prune our lives with him, to be his disciple, to be near and like him, and to not add one thing. 
Lord, we may or may not know much about pruning or how to live with you, how to hear your words and put them into practice. But we know that you've said that we'll be blessed if we do it. If we hear your words and put them into practice, we will be blessed. You're the one who has to teach us how to live, and we must have you. There is no life apart from you, and we need your help. Thank you for giving us this gift. Open our hearts to know what it is you're saying and how we're going to do it. We must have you. In Jesus' name, amen. So regarding pruning, I began to think about John 15. You know this passage? Jesus says, he's saying to his disciples as they're gathering for the Passover and as he continues to teach them, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, said Jesus, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) That last line is very helpful, right? (laughs) Um, But it speaks to what we're saying. There's no life, there's nothing we can accomplish apart from him. He says it's as though nothing. You're toiling and doing something. It's nothing because I am the life. I am the branch. I I am the vine. You're the branch. And I think the Lord wants to bless us with who we are and who he is in this. So he, he says this to his disciples to help us to know where God is, where he is, and where we find ourselves. He's giving us a little imagery. Do you want to sit for a moment and just read that to yourself, kind of marinate it, because we're going to go forward through it. Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Jesus' teachings, his very word, makes us clean. We've entered into life with him. And as we continue to go, there's some maintenance that's going to occur. We see it also two chapters earlier when Jesus wants to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter says, no, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. He says, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you're going to have no part with me. He says, okay, then wash my whole body. He says, no, no, you're already clean. Someone who's already had a bath 
doesn't need to be clean again, but I need to wash your feet. You've been walking on them. They're dirty. And so there's some maintenance that goes on in our lives of pruning, of trimming some things down so that we can remain with the Lord. And he wants to bless us with that. We're already clean. We're already who we are in light of the word he's spoken to us and that we've received. And now he's going to continue to do the work that only he can do. We accept this regarding an oil change, right? This car is made to work, and it's working well. If we neglect putting an oil into it, it will work, but it will begin to be unhealthy. It will begin to not produce its function, and it'll have a premature end, right? This car is going to need the oil, and if it's dirty, if it doesn't have it, soon problems will start to occur. And the same with us, and the Lord wants to bless us. He wants to give us a gift of pruning. Okay, so as the Lord began to say this, I thought, I don't know one thing about pruning. I'm not a gardener. I'm not anything like that. But I began to be around people who were and ask them questions about it. And so you probably know more than me, but here's what Lowe's had to say. (laughs) So... Effectively, this is my simplistic summary, all right? You, you know more than me about this. But there's branches that are dead that, got, that have to be cut off, right? There's diseased branches on a tree. They're going to cause a problem for the rest of it. They can be cut off. They're just hanging there. There's also extra branches that are forming, and for something to grow, it needs air and it needs light, and so it's getting crowded out by all these branches, and so those also get cut, get, need to get pruned. And then there's, I guess it's called sucker growth, <laughs> but that number, that little one at the bottom, it's just a random growth thing, but it's not really tethered to the whole tree. So there's all these different things that could mean why it needs to be pruned off, and a master gardener is going to know exactly what to do. Not every tree needs to go down to the ground to be pruned, but a rose bush or other things do. They need a all the way to the ground. Others just need trims, you know? And I don't know how to do that. Lowe's says that a proper prune tree <laughs> not only looks better, but it's also safer and healthier. So pruning helps give shape to something, too. It might be looking a little awkward, and pruning helps shape something up. So a proper prune tree not only looks better, it's also safer and healthier. And pruning helps rejuvenate growth. It impacts the direction in which a plant grows, and it helps rid the plant of dead or diseased branches. So that's what Lowe said. But, you know, when I was talking to different people about what pruning meant to them, you know, the one thing that kept coming up randomly, and I thought, is this true? Or is this is so weird that this word is associated with pruning. And it was the word energy. And people began to tell me that the reason a branch is trimmed, even ones with good growth, blooms are happening, the reason those are pruned is so the energy that's going to multiple things can be concentrated towards the one thing, the, the thing that's going to produce the fruit that's needed. 
And so if all the energy was spread out, it wouldn't really amount to anything. But if it was concentrated and pruned down, the energy can flow. You see, a tree, like us, has a limited amount of energy. We are limited on purpose. We only know so much. We only have so much time. We are at capacity, as Jono said. We have a capacity and we can't exceed that. And that is on purpose. That's a gift from God. For us to know who we are and who he is, we are limited. We're in need of him. We're in need of his pruning. Isn't that wild that some of the reason we would prune is to concentrate our energy towards the actual fruit? We see that Jesus is saying that. He said the branches that are fruiting, the branches that have fruit, the Father prunes so that they'll be even more fruitful. And that doesn't really make that much sense to me. Something that's already doing good, it's already something good, why does it need to be cut down to this? That, that looks like nothing. That looks like a shamble, right? That can't possibly mean a good thing for that plant, for that rose bush, right? And I began to think the reason that I don't want to be pruned, the reason I don't offer my life again to the Lord to say, hey, I want to cut some of these off. This is disease. This is broken. This is fruitful, but I want to concentrate it is because of pride. I have a sin of pride, and we all do. We think we know a better way to get to the desired outcome. And what's our desired outcome? to be near and like Jesus. It's what he asked us to do until his return, to be his disciples, to hear his teachings, and to put them into practice. And maybe some of the sprouts of our life are good, but they're not concentrated to produce the desired result. And the Lord wants to bless us with a gift. He wants to help us. He wants to trim off things that are taking our energy that aren't the thing, that have good flowers but aren't going to amount to very much, and he wants to concentrate it towards the goal at hand, towards the real fruit that he has for us. He says his load is light and his burden is easy. Or is it switched? (laughs) Close all those words, light, easy, load, right? He wants to lift our load. And the pride of life, the fear that someone else would be trimming something that I love or something that I think is good, we're going to have to submit to him in order to have a real prune, in order to be healthy and really grow, not be hindered by disease or um, a former way of thinking. Those thoughts can sneak in. Ideations we had long ago, he wants to deliver us from them. He wants to liberate us from the former way, all the more. Even good things that we think, they're taking up energy in our mind, and he wants to use it for being near and like him, towards being his disciple and making disciples. Is that okay? The pride of life says that we need to continue to be busy in order to get it done. Like Jono said, a 
the rhetoric we have is, well, then you're at capacity. You need to stretch and get more done, even beyond. And you can do it. You could do even more. You could make a better list. You can buy a better planner, and you could get it done, (laughs) right? But it's just not the case. And we know that because in order to remain with the Lord, that's where the fruit comes. He says, apart from me, I can't do anything. Apart from him, we're not going to be able to do one thing. Do we believe that? Do we think out on our own we can be his disciples? Out on our own we could be near and like him? We'll have to remain with him. We'll have to be pruned. We'll have to stay with him. And then what we're doing will amount to it. Otherwise, we can't do anything. But we have to believe that, um, that he's God and we're not. And pride says, I'm God. I actually know I can do it all. I know I could do it. Give me the challenge. I'll make it work. I'll push it in. But it's just not the case. And we know that because our lives are unmanageable. That's why we sought him out. That's why we chose the deal. We're in need of a savior. We couldn't manage our lives, and we still can't. But he's willing to teach us. So for me, that looks like nothing. That looks like nothing, nothing. That is cut to the ground. And even in our yard, there was one cut more than that, and it just looks like shambles. But in order for this to be this, that that has to occur. And that's impossible to me. Why do you cut something down to nothing to produce something more beautiful? Something beautiful is growing. Why does it need to be trimmed and cut? Is my response. Do you guys think it's normal that that could produce that? (laughs) But it does. And maybe some of you have experiences in your life or with your plants where you know, no, that is the way to produce the desired result. The Lord is pruning us to make us beautiful and even more fruitful. He says, every branch that isn't, he cuts off, and even those that have fruit, he prunes so that they'll be even more fruitful. When I, um, I counted the offering here for about 10 years, and it only took me about an hour to two hours after 10 years of doing it, and I really enjoyed doing it because everything was going to add up. It, w- it was just something you could always do for that hour, two hours. That was kind of uh, comforting to me, you know? But the Lord began to ask me to give that up to not do it anymore. And I thought, nah, that doesn't really make much sense. You know? Because one, it's only an hour, two hours of my life. I really enjoy it, and it's a benefit to the church. I'm so proficient at it. I've been doing it 10 years. It doesn't take me hardly any time, but someone else, it would take more time. So this is actually a benefit to the church that I do it. And it was giving me a tiny amount of income. It was giving me some extra income in the month. So for all these reasons, I enjoyed it. It was a benefit to the church. I was getting money. It wasn't that much time. I thought, surely I don't need to give that up. But I obeyed him 
And so my energies could be concentrated towards what he asked me to do, which was to spend time with 12 people in the collective and spend the max amount of time with them, building them up, making disciples, training them as leaders and in sound doctrine. And the Lord produced a great harvest, a great fruit from that effort. The collective is thriving and it's a church on its own doing the stuff, doing the stuff of the Lord. And he directed me to concentrate my energy. He pruned it, said, this is good. This is a little bud, but I'm going to cut it so you can be even more fruitful. And that's just a small example, but I wonder what, the, I wonder what ideas, what ideations we have that we just keep holding on to that's taking our energy and that he wants to remove so that we can be even more fruitful. I wonder in our schedule or uh, with our time, with our thoughts, is there a lot the Lord wants to liberate us from and lighten our load? What do you think? <laughs> it's a great benefit. I think now, let's respond to him. There's a, you know, he won't be the add-on to our life. He is our life, and all our concentration are going to go to him. It's out of being near and like him that we're going to be able to pay our bills. It's out of being near and like him that we'll be able to nap like he did. It's being his disciple, and being his disciple, we'll be able to have relationships that are healthy. Manage our household. It's in light of him and our dependency upon him that we'll be able to do the work of our lives. Not, I'll do the work of my lives and I'll add him on to that. And in order to do that, there's some trimming that will happen, and it's a great gift to be trimmed. Because it produces something beautiful. Even though the trimming doesn't look that beautiful. <laughs> right? I think the Lord is offering to us today um, a, a path of freedom and a path of dependency upon him. That we can, we can walk humbly with him being who we really are. Saying, these are all my, li- my life. These are, these are my thoughts. Train me and teach me. What, what are you going to relieve me of? What are you going to relieve me of even though I enjoy it, even though it's giving me money, even though it's making me know I'm right? What are you going to liberate me from? And there may be extra branches that you're carrying around in your lives. They may be diseased or dead, and they can be left. He can trim them, and they can be left. Or you may not have much margin. All of us need air. We need his presence. We need light in order to grow, just as plants do. And there may be some crowding out that needs to happen. There may be some extra branches that are crowding in on us, and he wants to liberate us from them. Or there may be many good buds, but they're taking all our energy, so not really. we're not really the energy isn't concentrated on the fruit that can remain. And he wants to prune us of even good things so that we can concentrate. 
So let's respond by offering our lives to the Lord anew. We have to open our hearts because our natural response to anything we're getting rid of might not be that it's for our liberty and freedom. It might be a burden to have this cut off, but it's for our freedom. In our pride, we say, this surely can't be the way to produce a beautiful rosebush. It, it just surely can't be. But it is, because he is God, and we're us. And so he knows how it's going to happen, how what he wants to do in us and what we want can be produced. So could we just close our eyes, just begin to open our hearts, The Lord wants to relieve us of our fears. He wants to forgive our sins, even the sin of pride, thinking that we can manage our lives and add things on that he's not asking us to. The Lord wants to free us up to remain in his love and to remain with him, and it's for our advantage. So, Lord, we, we want to offer our hearts to you and all the work of our hands. We know that you have a meaningful work for us and that you want us to be near and like you and to make disciples who make disciples. And we need your help. What do you want to prune from us? What's going to make us healthy What's going to give us the air and the light we need? What's going to concentrate our energy towards the end game, towards the goal at hand, towards a beautiful rose bush? Let's just sit in silence for a while and just offer your heart to him. Maybe some things that he wants to prune will happen. But this isn't another to-do list of what do I need to cut out of my life. This is a work you and the Lord will do together because we'll remain with him in it. So we'll sit before the Lord and then let's just sing to him these very words of what he wants to do in our lives. Is that all right?
Isn't it awesome to, um, to remember all the benefits we have in Christ Jesus? Our life in Him, what He's like. He wants to give us a gift of lifting our load. You know, we, we've come to Him. Um, 
he's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And, um, it, you know, the Israelites were bound up in slavery for years and years and years by the Egyptians. The Lord said, I want to liberate you. I want to set you free. And he said, as he began to do these plagues on the Egyptians, he to remind them who God was, that he's the one who has authority. He's the one overall. He's the one that will liberate his people. Um, all these plagues happened and they still refused. And so he said, okay, Israelites, take a spotless lamb and, and kill it and put the blood on your doorposts. And I'm going to walk through Egypt and every doorpost that has this blood over it, the blood of an unblemished lamb, they'll be saved. And everyone else's firstborn son is going to perish. And when that happened, the Lord walked through and there was wailing from the Egyptians because they had lost their firstborn. But the people of God who had put unblemished lamb blood on their doorposts, they were saved. And they said, you're, you're free to go. Get them out of here. And the Israelites were delivered. And they were on their way to the promised land. And the Lord did miracle after miracle for them. That's the God who we're serving. That's the God who's trustworthy. That even as he cuts things off of us, it's for our benefit. Even to the extent that he became the unblemished lamb for us. His body was slain. His blood was poured out for us. His blood was poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins, the liberty of our life, and everlasting life in Him. He's got it all planned out. We don't know the half of it, but we know we can trust Him. As we remember who the Lord is, can, can we take communion? He's saying these things to them as He's celebrating the Passover, saying, I, I passed over the ones who had the blood, who put their hope in me. His blood, his promises, they're for our freedom. And our life in him is to our advantage. So I just want to bless you to take this bread. Be careful with how you open up. Take this bread. It's his body, which he's given for us. He says, eat it up. You can have all of me. You in? Let's remember him. He says, eat his body. Remember me. He says, my blood is for the forgiveness of sins. If you have any sins, you can confess them to him now. His blood has cleansed us. His blood reminds us he knows a better way to live than we do. His blood leads to our life and freedom. So let's take it in. You ready? Family of God, the Lord loves you and he blesses you today with a gift. And I know that we'll continue to simmer in what it's going to mean for him to prune us. But it's to our advantage. Thank you, Lord, for the people of God. 
that you preserve them, you uphold them, you encourage their spirits. As we leave this locker room, would you help us in the game we're playing? Help us to remain with you in the plays that you've told us. Help us to hear your words and put them into practice, Lord. We must have you. Thank you that you do all the work. You're the one who prunes us. Please help us to stay humble upon you. Open up our hearts to you. We, we need you every step of the way in this week ahead. We need you. And we, we love you. We want to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, family.